0: Hey, how's it going? My name is Stephen Marks, and welcome to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. My purpose with all of these teachings is to equip you with the Word of God and help you understand your authority, your power, your victory, and mission as a believer in Jesus Christ. So you go from glory to glory and victory to victory by the power of Holy Spirit who lives in you. So enjoy, God bless, and let's get our generation saved. Good morning and welcome to episode number two of Money Management and Stewardship. We're going to keep going through the points I want to make about how many Christians actually believe in biblical prosperity without even realizing it, right? And we went through the definition yesterday. We went through the first point, which is that the Bible speaks about it specifically. And the second point, which is that poverty is without a doubt a curse. So if you're not up to date with those, go ahead, listen to the other podcasts first because these all build on one another, right? And when you get that, you understand the flow. You'll understand what you're doing with your finances properly and understand the correct line of thinking and how it all lines up biblically. So I pray this is blessing you in the mighty name of Jesus. We're going to dive straight in to what I have planned for today. And I'm going to try and get through as many points as I can so we can get onto the deeper laws so that the Bible actually speaks about about how we need to honor God with our finances. So here we go. Point number four for what I want to speak about. Um, with regard to things that you believe that actually prove you believe in biblical prosperity, which is God's financial empowerment of you to meet the needs of your family and to meet the needs of a hurting world around you, right? So here's point number four. Jesus was not poor, okay? Jesus was not poor. He became poverty on the cross, Right, because that's when the sin of the world, the curse of God, came upon him. He wasn't walking around cursed. He was full of grace and truth the entire time. That's what John, First uh, uh, John fourteen says. Right, Jesus, full of grace and truth, walked around. But the when he was on the cross, that's why it's a six day process, and he died in six hours. Like it, it was just so quick because it's intense. He took all the sickness, all the suffering, all the pain, all the sin of the world on himself in the cross. That's why it's such a powerful thing. That's why Paul said, I chose to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's the powerhouse of the gospel. If you can get that in your spirit, that everything is about Jesus Christ, him crucified and him raised from the dead. When you grasp that reality, that God, oh my goodness, out of his love, sent his one and only son to become sin, to become a curse for you so that the curse of the law no longer longer comes upon you. But the blessing of God, the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all schemes of the enemy, all power of the enemy. Right? That's what Romans 8 verse 1 and 2 specifically speak about. Look at this. This is not got very much to do with finances, but it's important. I feel this on my heart to share with you. Listen to this. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus or in the blood of Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Okay? That's intense. That's, that's powerful. Okay? That is very powerful. So back to the point for today. Jesus was not poor. Why do I say that? Firstly, think about his baby shower. In Matthew 2, what is the first thing? Jesus has just come out the womb. The first thing that's presented to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These weren't little packages, all right? It's wise men or kings of the east that studied the stars, came before him. He had an entire star freak out for his birth, okay? How many of you have a star that literally is dedicated prophetically to you. My chances are zero. I think you can buy constellations, like literally that's a thing, but genuinely speaking, most people are not born with a star. So he's already richer than you. Two, his baby shower was amazing. He had gold, frankincense, and myrrh coming out of his ears. It was he was abundance from the word go. Then think about Luke 8. He It says that ladies, three ladies provided for him and many others. He had people partnering with him completely. Everywhere they went, every need was met. He had more than three people continually supplying every need that he and the 12 disciples that he was with the whole time, at least, right? Then you think about this. He had a treasury and a treasurer. When you talk to poor people, you don't say, hey, could you do me a favor? Can you go call your treasurer? I just want to find out, you know, how much you need. Poor people don't have a treasurer because they don't have a treasury. The reason is they're poor. They don't have money. Jesus had someone that's job was to look after the money bag. So Jesus had money. He was in charge. He was paid to look after the finances. What else does it say? I think John 12, it says that Judas was in charge of the money and he helped himself often to the money that was in the money bag. He stole and even though he stole, right, no one noticed. No one noticed any lack. Nothing ever stopped. There was enough money every single time. That's a lot of money. If someone steals from a business, people know, and you're fired straight away. Because you're, you're hindering the business, right? There's no profit coming in because now you're stealing. There's a problem. Yet, Jesus, nothing, nothing stopped with Jesus, Right? Then you think about this. He provided for at least 13 people. Why do I say that? Well, the twelve and himself, 13. Okay, actually 14. Then you think about it, even if you just include Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene followed him every single place that he went. She didn't care about life after the fact that Jesus delivered her of seven demons. She followed him, boy, everywhere he went. And that's biblical. That's why Luke 8, she was providing for him everywhere they went. Then you think about it, there were at least two boats that Jesus got in. That's an entire life's business right there, a boat. How many of you have a boat that can sit 13 people? It's already more than most cars are worth because it's an entire business we're talking about. So you have at least two of those. And then if you think about it, in John nineteen twenty-three and 24, it specifically speaks to the clothes that Jesus wore. It was a rare garment, a single piece of cloth, woven in one tunic. It was so good that they didn't perform the usual uh, tradition of tearing the clothes at a crucifixion. No. What did the soldiers do? They gambled for his clothes because they wanted it. They wanted his clothes. They're nice, even covered in the disgusting blood. They knew Ah, oh, that's okay. I can wash it. This is nice. Right? So there you go. Jesus was not poor. He wasn't. It It doesn't say that. Biblically, he was not poor. So to think that's incorrect, that's a not a right way to think things through because the Bible says otherwise. All right, number five if money was evil, why would anyone have any? Well, why would any believer have any? Right? Second Corinthians 7 says this Second Corinthians 7, verse 1 says, Since we have these very great promises, beloved, let us Us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and the spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So, if money is so evil and such a problem that you've got to be so careful of it, why do you have any in your wallet? Why do you have any in your card? Why do you even pursue it in any way, shape or form? Because you need it for this world to go around. Even Jesus had money. Did he sin? No. Having money, or we might even see being wealthy because he wasn't poor, is not a sin. That's not the sin. Serving mammon, which is the demon of money, which is putting the demon of money or the love of money above your love of God, that's the sin. And there are people who are in poverty that have that sin because all they do is think about money and covet money. That's the sin. It's the love of money being greater than the love of God, right? Because you don't you don't keep a little bit of porn just hanging around, right? You're a believer. You cleanse yourself from every defilement of the body and spirit or of the flesh and spirit. Any spiritual issue, any demonic issue, you get rid of it. You don't entertain things that you know are direct um defilement of the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says you're not your own. You're bought with a price. It says you no longer live. You were crucified with Christ. It's now Christ who lives in you. Right? So it's your job to now cleanse your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and your flesh, your body from every defilement. Right? And so if money is such a problem, cleanse yourself of it. That's why it's not a problem. That's why you don't, because the world goes round with money. Point six, the blessing of Abraham or Israel, you can say, is extended to Christians or to believers. Why do I say that? Because of Galatians chapter three. Which speaks specifically to this. It says this. And scripture in verse 8. Galatians 3 verse 8. And scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Gentiles by faith or unbelievers by faith. preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying. In you shall all the nations of the world. Not just Israel. Be blessed. So then those who are. Of faith are blessed along with Abraham. Or those who are believers who've received salvation by faith, thanks to Ephesians 2 verse 8, right? Are blessed along with Abraham. What does that look like? Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Ah, that's poverty. By becoming a curse, poverty, for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, right? And then in verse 29, it says this. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. So we see scripture is abundantly clear that we are blessed along with Abraham. What is the blessing of Abraham entail? Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14, which speaks specifically about prosperity, about wealth and riches being in your house, right? And I went through that in the first podcast that I released. Then if you think about it, Romans 11, 11 to uh, 24, speaks about the Gentiles being grafted into the fig tree, right? It's talking talking about you've now been pulled into this root system, which is the blessing of Abraham, and you, you weren't a part of it, but now you're brought into it, right, into a healthy tree, But you you must be careful. Don't reject or speak against this tree because it's very easy for God to take something that was not a part of the tree out. So he's also warning you about falling away from the faith as a result of coming in and, and loving the blessing more than God. Right? So that's point six. Let's do point seven. Prosperity does coexist with suffering and or persecution. And to say it doesn't is unscriptural. So that's another thing that people think. Oh, so if I prosper, then I'll never have any problems again. No, that's so unbiblical. It's frightening to think that is a waste of time. To think that shows you love money because you think money will solve all your problems. That's, That's not right. Money won't solve all your problems. Money is a help with a lot of problems. Yes, but the biggest problem you need to sort out is this grip that money has on you. It's a demonic hold that's on top of your life. And the only way to get rid of that is the blood of Jesus. He's your provider. He's your problem solver. Why? Because his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my thoughts. Right? His wisdom is from above. He guides us into all things that are to come. So he's the provider. Jehovah Rapha. Right? But this is what I wanted to hit on. Prosperity does coexist with suffering and persecution. Think about this. Genesis 26. We see Isaac reap a hundredfold In a year of famine, after God said, plant here. So God guided him in a time of suffering to plant in a certain place so that he could reap a hundredfold in a time of famine. Meaning, your economic situation, your physical situation, whatever situation you're in, as bad as it looks in the natural, God is operating on another dimension, all right? And he says, do this. That's why you faithfully obey and do the commandments or the voice of the Lord. And what happens? You're blessed in all you do. James 1 verse 19 to 25, right? And so then we see after he grows a hundredfold in that one year, the Philistines get defensive and start filling in his wells. So his sheep and goats can't get water anymore or his investments, like people start shadow banning, right? And then you don't get exposure anymore. People start attacking you because you're prospering. So what's happening? You're prospering and experiencing persecution at the same time. How is that allowed? Well, Jesus spoke specifically to this in Mark 10. Go have a look at it. Come with me. Mark 10, Jesus says in verse 29, Truly I say to you, there's no one who's left left houses or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or lands or finances, you could say, for the uh, sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life, right? So check at that. We see persecutions is included in prosperity. That is scriptural. That's biblical. So to say you're going to be rich and you're never going to have any problems again is unbiblical. Jesus says that there's going to be things that As you increase, there will be resistance. But James says, take heart in these trials that you're going to face of various kinds because, you know, it's the testing of your faith that produces steadfastness. Steadfastness in what? Steadfastness in the faith that you have that Jesus is your provider that no matter what, that Jesus is your comfort, that Jesus is your strength, that Jesus already overcome, overcame everything in the cross, right? And then let me do one more. Number Eight, which is it is hypocritical to speak against something that you sit and enjoy. We can agree on that, and you believe that you can 't say you know um, your prosperity doesn 't exist it 's not real, you can 't have that, and yet you 're in America, you drive a car, you probably have a smartphone, you probably have three meals a day. Um, when the average person in the world has an, a daily wage of like a dollar twenty cents, they drive an ox cart. If they even have one, they probably live in like a really rugged part of town, have sewage running outside their house. Like that's where the average person lives in the world. So for you to say that, whilst you've got a phone that costs $1,500, you've got a computer that was like the same amount. You've got nice clothes. You've got a choice of shoes in the morning. That's, that's prosperity. And you don't even know yet. You're calling it poverty, which is so twisted. And we can both agree on that, right? And sometimes we slip into deception because the devil, he deceives, right? And so if you're not understanding scripture, if you're not being guided by the Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit, you've received him, he's inside of you, right? Which you've received on account of believing in Jesus. But then if you're not reading the word and knowing what the word says about certain things, you're going to get whacked around. Because how did Jesus overcome the devil? He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He didn't cry out to the Father at any time, Lord, take this demon from me. No. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. So how do you come overcome any trial, any temptation, any issue in your life? Simply by quoting scripture back to God, because you believe the word of God is more important than what the devil has to say. And then you settle it and off you go on your way. Freedom. You have even the responsibility to say, devil, be gone. Go away, Satan, leave me. And the devil has to leave because you're secure in the word of God. Cool. We're going to leave it there for today. I love you and I'll see you tomorrow. We'll hit the last four points before diving into, I think, the first law of money management and stewardship. I love you. God bless.